please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, this is Treasy. Hey, hey, this is Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. It's Jesse T. And I'm Young Weezy. And we are the kind of movie critics, man. We are finally here, fully assembled, like the Power Rangers. Yeah. With uh, Uncle time. Jesse back. Yeah. Uncle Jesse. Congratulations, Uncle Jesse. Jesse. Thank, Uncle Jesse. You. Thank you. Yeah, man. How, how does it feel? Feels good. Feels good? Yeah. You feel your life shift? Um, Priorities? A little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And being, being an uncle makes that happen? Yeah, I think so. When you hold the baby for the first time, you're like, oh, I, like, you feel responsible. I'm an only child. I'll never know this feeling. Oh, so. yeah. Damn. yeah, sorry, Corey. Yeah, um, yeah man. So, uh, and I, it is fully confirmed. Uh, Jesse does not listen to the episodes. Not at when, all. <laughs> and all the shit we talk about him when he's not here. Talk so he has shit. no idea how yeah. well Corey can impersonate him. I, would, yeah. I do want to hear that. Uh, yeah, you got to go back and listen. Because we talk hella shit. Damn. Talk hella shit. Made mad references, all types of shit. Did an impression. Yeah, it's crazy. You miss it all. So, um, yeah, guys. Um, I'm not probably not gonna do too much intro on about what we watched and all that fly shit because uh, you know, just is just for listener purposes, listener benefit here. We are recording at ten thirty PM on a Friday night. Uh uh after the crew just saw uh sorry to bother you. So everybody wants to get on with their Friday night and Go shake their ass, I guess. I don't know. That's not what I want to do. I have to pack and then get to go somewhere tomorrow morning. But yeah, man, sorry to bother you. We just had a crazy experience. Shout out to Chef Ashanti for joining us to uh, see Sorry to Bother You. This was on our list of things and movies that we had to watch for 2018. So we decided we were going to go as a crew and um, watch it and come back and talk shit about it. Well, not talk shit, but just talk shit. You know, you know what I mean? Like we are want to do. Yeah, like we like we want to do like like we did with uh get out. So we just gonna jump straight into it, man. Um Corey, you feel like doing a synopsis? I'm sorry to bother you. And for all of our listeners, if you missed a spoiler, we are spoiling fucking films. So uh if you if you wanna stay, just be prepared to hear some crazy equestrian human <laughs> <laughs> shit talking. In an alternate present-day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a macabre universe. Macabre. Ah, macabre. Mm. Yeah. Nice track, Corey. Sorry, macabre. I'm the one who does the fucking, um, what, the thing. Yeah, the thing yeah. that you don't know how to do. Oh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, if, the, if there's anything that if you've heard anything about this movie, let's just say you ignoring all, all spoiler flags here and you've never seen this movie. I'm letting you know right now, there's nothing anybody can tell you to prepare you for this fucking experience. Okay. No so there's nothing. So that brought me to my number one question. And I would like to get everybody's version of this. If you had to explain this movie to somebody, what, Three movies. What three films would you use and mash up to try to explain what the fuck we just saw? I didn't know this shit was gonna be a quiz. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is. I'm now sorry. you didn't see Jesse's face just now. He, he, he just made like, the fuck. what the fuck? Like what I just walk into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because no, there's one movie I can't think of the name of it, and it was really gross. But the comedy style kind of reminded me of this film. Of it. But I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, hold up. I gotta text my friend. Well, come back I, to I, me. I, I, I got I got two. I was gonna go with a mixture of uh, 
Thank You for Smoking, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Clockwork Orange. Interesting. Okay. Clockwork yeah. Orange, and Thank You for... I, I kind of thought of Idiocracy, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially mm-hmm. with, like, the TV stuff, or mm-hmm. definitely in, my, in, like, their society, right. how it's kind of crumbling or whatever. It kind of reminds me of that. Interesting. Okay. I, I was thinking uh, being John Malkovich was yeah. was popped up on my radar. Um, Eternal Sunshine mm-hmm. popped uh, up on yeah. my radar. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what else. Oh, oh, maybe like Snowpiercer, kind of. Really? A little, a little bit. A, a, a little I, bit. I, 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 I get what I you're saying. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying because Snowpiercer yeah. starts out. Like an apocalyptic movie, and then turns into some other shit. Yeah, but like yeah. once you're halfway, through. just kind of like the yeah. reveal of everything. And yeah, yeah, all that kind of shit. Um, I definitely agree with Idiocracy, and then like the Titan, um, and then also like um, Fast Food Nation. Ooh, Nick. see, I never saw Fast Food Nation. Jesse, did you, did you and, come up with yours? Um. Uh, the Goods kind of reminded me of that a little bit. The Goods. I never but, saw that. That's oh. with Jeremy Piven, right? Yeah. I never hey. saw it, but it's like a comedy. Yeah, it's like yeah. a comedy, and it's it's all about like car salesmen and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and definitely Idiocracy, and I can't remember the name of that other film. But Damn, I really got to see this Idiocracy, man. I uh-huh. can't believe you haven't seen it. It's a perfect film. It has Terry Goose. He's the president. Electrolytes. Might come on a little bit of... Um, <laughs> president Camacho. <laughs> not not the movie as a whole, but parts of it. Uh, Dogma. Oh, okay. Do- mm. Yeah. Like, uh, do you remember in Dogma, they had the, the movie? Like, the it was the, the idol in the film. It was always like a, a third party kind of thing. It was the, the cow, the movie, the cow. Yeah, man, it's been so long since I've seen yeah, Dogma. Well, Dogma. Yeah, I'll go with Dogma. Gotcha. Okay. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Coen Brothers movies sometimes, too. Like the funnier ones, like Burned After Reading or something like okay, that. I can see that. Yeah, the, yeah, the humor style. I yeah. can see that. Okay. Okay. So we got a good mashup, mosh posh of uh, good film references there. Um, let's just jump into it, man. What did you guys? What did you guys think about it? Just on, you know, an entertainment level. Oh. Um, well, I'll go first. Like, the first time I heard about this, um, my friend uh, Top Rope Zeus in L.A., uh, he was at Sundance. Um, and he saw it and he told me about it. He was like, this is going to be the next Get Out. It's going to be huge. So I, I was kind of, like, looking forward to it, like, the entire time. I was waiting for it. Right. And having watched it, I think there's some like deficiencies. You could tell he's like a first time like filmmaker. Right. But overall, I definitely liked it. I thought it was really interesting. But I don't, I don't know how him as a director would like transition and like usually like you make a really great film and then you transition to maybe like get a paycheck on a studio film. Right. I don't know how he would do that necessarily. Well, he can't do it. Judging by the message of the film, like he would yeah. just be a total. Like, liar. yeah, he would be a total liar if he, you know, if, if he did do that. That's my opinion. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, and we're talking about Boots Rally, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, he can't do it. He can't, he can't go studio. He's got to be indie. He's got to be indie according to this script. I heard about it from um, another podcast. I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it was like The Nod or, I don't know. I'm still processing. One of those. I don't know. Right. One of the black ass podcasts I listen to, <laughs> right, right. um, they they never really alluded to what the movie was about, other than they were like, "Yo, it's really weird." Mm-hmm. And then when I saw the commercial for it, 
I was like, this doesn't seem that weird. Right. And now that I've seen it, it is indeed fucking weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. They they cut all around the weird shit. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> the trailer the trailer alluded to no such weirdness uh-huh. at well, all. You I knew it was it quirky. Didn't, it it didn't not the trailer trailer was not misleading. Yeah, I just no, wasn't I didn't realize like how deep of a weird cut we were making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that last act just totally went in a different direction. I did yeah. not think it was gonna go that way. Right. Well it I did agree. but it didn't ruin the movie. It just was kinda uh-huh. like, oh shit, this is where we're going now. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it did I think it did really well in an era that like trail where trailers give away a lot of the film. The entire yeah. film. Yeah, I I, th- I think it did really good at uh hiding its intentions. Uh its true intention. Um. Yeah, yeah. I think Zeus was the first time I heard of it too. Uh, shout out yeah. to Zeus and the whole Sundance thing. Um, I, I can see the Get Out reference. You know, especially when you talk about like the coagula, that whole like uh, the training video shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's you know, that's like the delivery message, the delivery method for that was very similar <laughs> to Get Out. Like yeah. that whole exchange between him and Army Hammer right. was very very similar. Which I mean. It's hard to avoid that in in the arc of a film like this too. So yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, Army Hammer did really good in this. Army Hammer is a dope actor. Yeah. It, it, there was an article on GQ maybe a couple months ago that was like, "Why has Hollywood not made him a star?" Because right. like they've tried to make him a Hollywood name, like a, a leading man for like ten years, and well, he just can't break into it. He's a dope, but guy. he kills the indie stuff though. He does. Mm-hmm. I mean, but. His bigger stuff, he's he's done a good job. Like I think he's a dope actor. Like I don't know if yeah. he can break past the douchebag, like evil like, white guy, the evil yeah. white guy. Because yeah. I he can, just, yeah, he did That's a good job. Very naturalistic. The the yeah. movie where he in uh, call me by your name, like he was not an evil white guy. No, that, um, even though you know problematic. And then <laughs> yeah, and then but he did a good job, and even in the movie with Johnny Depp, which did the Lone oh, Ranger. The Lone Ranger. Yeah, Lone Ranger wasn't a bad film. I I, that was a, that. it was a popcorn film don't get me wrong but right. it wasn't a bad popcorn film it just got a bad rep because racism right? Johnny Johnny Depp is not yeah. Indian oh, oh yeah <laughs> so, but he got, he got permission from an Indian so it's cool oh so it's cool? he got permission from an Indian so it's cool I guess uh, <laughs> hey, if you get permission you get permission yeah because yeah. one of them speaks for all of them but um, yeah, right. I mean you're right he was, he, he was good in Birth of a Nation too but he played yeah. the evil white dude but the evil white dude he played in Birth of a Nation like I, no, I was gonna say like he really had to numb himself with alcohol, but I don't guess that's any different here. So, oh yeah, he was cocaineed up. What do you um, mean? I mean, his character he played was yeah, an alcoholic. It was alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Are you saying him as an he's an no? Alcoholic? The, oh, the okay. character he played was an was alcoholic, alcoholic because yeah, yeah. he really right. knew that he was on some fuck shit and he was doing yeah, yeah. something wrong. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah. Want, does he have an agent that like has like the indie like? Mindset to know which indie films he needs to be in because he's you're right he does kill it on the indie scene. Mm, that's a good question. For, that's a good question for his agent, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's uh, the side note was that he's a dope actor, and I don't see why he's not in more things. Right, but, I agree. Yeah. I like his presence. You know, um, and, and it's fitting in a situation like this. I mean, I think it was a great cast. You know, Lakeith. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tessa, mm. um, Danny Glover, Danny Glover. Who this was probably <laughs> one of my favorite Danny Glover roles in yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the last uh, time I personally saw him was the last time I remember seeing him. Let me say that uh, was it was the Michelle Gondry film um, where they were recreating movies. And it was most oh, Def. Be Kind Rewind. That yeah, was a really be, good movie. Be Kind Rewind. Yeah. Oh no, that that actually wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rewind wasn't that good. Since then, I just can't. I yeah. don't know. I really enjoy him in the world, Tenenbaum. 
Oh, see, I never saw the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm tripping. Yes, I did. Yeah, but Royal Tenenbaums, I forget the order, but I think, anyway. Yeah, Be Kind Rewind, I think, came out <laughs> after that. But, um, yeah, that's just, the, I haven't seen Danny Glover in a while, but I, I haven't. I appreciate really. the Easter egg you dropped, though. Which one? He was like, I'm too old for this shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm too old for that shit. What the fuck was he? He looked like a Texas Ranger in that fucking bar, what he was, what he was wearing. Did anybody else see that? He played a cowboy in a movie that I saw. I think it's called, like, Switchback. It was him and Dennis Quaid. Mm, okay. I know. Uh, who else was Maybe he the... was just dropping all the fucking Easter eggs. Right. <laughs> all in one roll. Uh, who what, what who else? Uh, the guy Steven from Steven Yoon yeah, from uh, The Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, he mm-hmm. made it out. So it's a uh, you know Terry Crews. Terry mm-hmm. Crews, yeah, who had a small part, but it was cool. Oh, and uh, the Ghost. Um, uh, what's his name? Amari oh, Hardwick. Amari Hardwick, which I, was a weird yeah. role. It was a weird role, but I mean, you have to remember, like, he's not far from removed from doing that. He was in Kick Ass. I mean, they replaced him in the second one, but right, he was in Kick Ass. Um. You know what I loved about seeing Omari Hardwick? Because when they, like, cast people around him, he is so fucking short. And, like, mm. it was very obvious watching this that oh, he was yeah. a wee-wee dude. <laughs> like, really? Didn't he, you didn't notice that. how small he looked next to Lakeith Stanfield, who's, like, a wiry dude? Like, uh-uh. Omari Hardwick's... I didn't pay attention. He's a widow. I think he's probably, like, the same height as, like, a Lorenz Tate. He's not a tall guy. Oh, wow. Okay. It do, it doesn't come off that way on screen, but it did this time to me. Mm-hmm. But normally it doesn't, because you know they have him opposite like people who are also right. short. Like yeah. Notori Norton. Yeah, Notori yeah. Norton's really small too. Mm, okay, so it's all proportional, I guess. Yeah, so so maybe guess they make him stand why, on a box. I don't know. That's why but... he's never next to Lala, because Lala's pretty tall. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty dope cast. Um. Uh, I agree with you, Martin, in terms of like Boots Rally is like a first time. I, I saw a lot of, I, you yeah, know, those transitions. Oh, those transitions were killing <laughs> yeah. me. And I couldn't tell if it was like if they were doing that on purpose, like if that was like part of the, you know, just the transitions period in between scenes was was funny going mm-hmm. from like one situation to the next. Yeah, it seemed a little disjointed. Yeah, for for sure. I But um, there was a montage scene, I guess, when it kind of showed him on the come up. Mm-hmm. That I really liked, you know, when it showed how, like, how oh, his yeah. apartment switched in the bed. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. That was dope. That was really. It dope. was like something. It looked like claymation almost. Like it, like yeah. it looked like yeah. lamps split open. It looked like something you see from Dear White People, where like the set changes around them. Okay. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was really dope. That was probably one of my favorite moments in the scene. I mean, in the movie. Um, um, what else? Any any other takes from the film that you guys? Uh, what you think? Well, I don't know. I forgot the dude's name. I know who it is though. Who plays like um, Lakeith Stanfield's like white voice? Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard it, with I know Patton it was Patton Oswalt for the uh, other guy or whatever. Yeah. No, no, so, that was Lakeith. I'm, no, Patton Oswalt was um. Was Lakeith? No, he was Ghost. Was Lakeith? No, I'm I bet money that was Patton Ghost. Oswalt's a fat dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was Lakeith. that was Ghost. That wasn't Lakeith. You want to put. Some kind of like five dollar on, on it. Okay, he, please, could you please look that up, please? Yeah, uh, Patton Oswalt played Lakeith Stanfield's voice, Cassius Green. First okay. of all, bleh, Cassius Green, like. Oh yeah, well, so that's obvious not to what Muhammad Ali. No, Cash is Green. Oh yeah, well a double entendre there because. Did you not catch it though? No, I didn't. I didn't catch <laughs> Cash is Green. I, yeah, I peeped that. I didn't peep that. I just, but that's dope though. I mean, that's dope. Yeah. But, but I, well, when she said it, cash is green. I was like, oh, cash is green. But okay, oh, shit. I just, you know, yeah, that's wow. 
Thank you, Lizzie. Our catch it correspondent. <laughs> That's actually really in a minute. Good. In a minute, in a minute, in a minute. Like Benjamin, Benjamin Stacks. We got it. Like, yeah, it's, it's David Cross. It's I'm sorry. David Cross is Cash's white voice. Oh, it is. And Oswald is uh, Mari Hardwick's voice. Damn. We never ship on it. <laughs> <laughs> Give the man his dollar. Oh, Lily James is um, Detroit's voice, too. I didn't know. I didn't know who it was. I was just thought it was a random British actor. I'm gonna, you know, here's the thing. I'm gonna double when check myself. When did her myself. voice change? When she was at the art gallery, the art she, gallery. Had a, she put on her she white voice. Oh, yeah. she did change. Yeah, you're right. I, I just thought it was her it. though. I didn't realize like it was a whole other person. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the ADR team because there were some definitely janky ADR moments in that film. Well, yeah, that's tough. They were there were some pretty long scenes. Yeah. Um, for for ADR. Um, so I actually give them a high five because that was pretty serious. Are you talking about what the for the for the voice replacements? No, actually, there was some general? janky ADR in general. Oh, like okay. the um, when they weren't doing the the white voice, I gave them I gave them you know a pass because obviously you're you're doing that. But there was some there was some janky audio in that film, right? And that, that's people like us kind of catch on to that P- shit like that. I was listening. I was like, this is weird. It's awkward. I didn't catch right. it. Yeah. Regular ass me. <laughs> Regularly easy. Um. What other what um I don't know what else what else I, I just I just saw on the uh, cast and I didn't know Forrest Whitaker played one of the horses yeah I saw that and Rosario yeah. Dawson Rosario was the Dawson voice was. in the elevator yeah I didn't peep none of that they they had a pretty uh, they had a pretty robust presence in this film he and, has friends uh, and yeah. Tessa Thompson was like a very active person and she's kind of a she's a star at this point she yeah, she, she had a, a lot working. of she had a lot of screen time so I was a little like. Okay. Yeah. You either are friends with the writer director, or you did this before you became a star. I don't think like, so. I think she just probably really wanted to do it because at yeah. this point, like Lakeith's a star too. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, I was watching some kind of like interview stuff with this man, and people were just talking. Uh, matter of fact, it was on the Breakfast Club. I mm-hmm. think it was you know Boots and Terry Crews and Omari Hardwick, and they were talking about how unique the script was. You know, and uh, you know, obviously that must be a thing. And, you know, in Hollywood, uh, when you run across material that doesn't seem like the same scripts that you read every day, I guess it becomes very, very exciting. But that's interesting to me because, like, some of the scenes up there, I was thinking, like, how would this read? You know, like... I thought the same thing. Like, when they were reading this script, like, what were they, like... What were you imagining? Yeah. And when when they got to the horse part, (laughs) what did we think of that? That first scene where they showed them, like, I felt like they... Well, I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves, but when they first showed them, I thought, like, it looked good. Then when they showed them in the light, I was like, oh, that's all bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's classic visual effects, usually in the dark darkness it looks better you can hide get away with stuff yeah yeah. Yeah. so all right so the linear progression we first act it just seemed like a regular you know dude trying to you know get to the money and you know uh what dude trying to get to the money disgruntled workers that's pretty much like the first act right yeah second act we would say is like you know he gets to he gets to the money he's kind of like turned his back on the people Mm. he got to the money and he's starting to rise in the ranks of this corporation, uh, which what was the corporation called the Worry Less or? Regal View. No Regal, Regal View. He, never... he worked for Regal View. Regal View, but who who was Worry Regal Free View? was a client yeah. of Regal View. Okay, right, right, right. There you go. So this whole Worry Free concept that was that was pretty interesting because that's kind of like a 
that's actually like a thing, right? Mm. It's like, you know, everybody's going to work. Everybody's going to have a place to live. But It's a thing in China, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a, what, what kind of society would you, would you call that? Is communi- would you classify that as like communistic? Uh, I don't know. I do it's not. Like, it's like more like socialism. I am not up right? to date no, because on everybody, the Wikipedia no, for it's, that. It's definitely not, though, because it's a capitalist function, right? Right. Um, it, it's slavery. <laughs> yeah, in a, in in a sense, yeah, it pretty much is. Because um, they don't they don't get paid. They're working in exchange for food and shelter. For, for facility and yeah, and shelter. Okay, so second act is he's rising in the ranks and he learns about this organization and he learns that it's a big client at Regal View and he starts to see what his actions have sort of helped how it's helped, you know, sp- uh, enslave the world or how it's helping to enslave Slave the certain world. people yeah. yeah certain people and then third act is the uprising right is that is that would that be correct to classify it like that those three acts no yeah. there's a there's a reveal in between and then i'd say like yeah the rebellion what's what's the reveal oh the horse the, the horses, horses. okay yeah. all right so um overall structure of the film Corey, because you're usually the guy that like stomps on the third act How'd you feel about the third act? Well, okay, we introduced horse people, so um, <laughs> that's a metaphor. I I get it, but it was definitely a you know punch in the face, right? Um, no, I think I think structurally the film flowed fine. Like it 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 had a flow from beginning to end, like which is fine. Like it didn't feel forced, but I admit. About halfway through the movie, I was a little like, "Can we get to the point?" Mm-hmm. I was a little like, "All right, we need to we need to press the gas here." Like, okay. I'm a little I'm lagging behind. It wasn't a super long movie though; it was an hour. 45. I know, but it felt long. Pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it it felt like a three hour movie to me. Really? Yeah. Like I was sitting there like. It did feel longer I, than it was. Yeah. I paused. Um, I, but <laughs> you're allowed. It's not a pause. You're allowed. You're allowed to feel long things. So, um, yeah, like I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing either for me. But um, I definitely, it 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 flowed, right. and and I appreciate that in the film, right. regardless of how time if how much time it felt like it had progressed, it still had a a natural edit to it, which I, I was happy with. Gotcha. So. Chef Ashanti, yo, shout out again to Chef Ashanti. She was blowing me, dog. She kept, she was like, I've never seen anybody get so uncomfortable in a theater. She was like, yo, this shit is so annoying, yo. Like, she kept sitting up, like, yo, I've never seen anybody squirm as much as she did. In it, like, it made uh, her uncomfortable. It was, it, I think it was, I think it was a mixture. It seemed like she was falling asleep, oh, okay. uh, like a mixture of falling asleep, being bored, and like, what the fuck am I watching? You know what I mean? She was like, this movie's so fucking annoying. <laughs> I did hear her say that at the end. She was like, yo, the movie's wild and And I was just thinking, I don't know, what did you think you were chatting up for? Yeah, I mean, I definitely knew we were coming in. Definitely not a Marvel film. We were coming in. Yeah, like, so maybe that's it. I Maybe I haven't watched uh, a movie of that that style in a while. Right. So I'm sitting here like, I'm used to things blowing up by now. <laughs> oh, right, right. So it was yeah. kind of slow for you, you think? Um, it, it just was. I'm trying to, I mean, I know we just watched it, so I'll probably marinate a little more, but. As of right now, I felt that movie really was slow. Right. Yeah. I felt like the comedy, like some of the comedic scenes were, they were just drawn out a little too long. Like mm-hmm. it was the part where like, where you kind of stop laughing, but it's still going on. I'm like, you can wrap it up now. Right. You know, 
I really felt that in the scene where she was pressing the buttons on the elevator. Yeah, yeah. that, that was, was just like, like this that. is going on and too long. And then nigga shit, shit, nigga shit, nigga. Like that right. part, I'm just like, I, that's when I felt a little uncomfortable because like white was, dude was think, laughing down. I think it was supposed to make yeah. you uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 I so. found myself saying there's three people that I would love to be, I would love to see these three people be in the room, like watching this film at the same time and hear the discussion that happened afterwards. And I can only think of two of them right now, but I remember there was three. Uh, Dave Chappelle, because I felt like this movie was a a, mm-hmm. a big commentary on like kind of what Dave Chappelle went through. It's mm-hmm. sort of like an animated version mm-hmm. of Chappelle and why he left the Chappelle show and mm-hmm. how he went to Africa and what he was talking about. Yeah, I actually he he crossed my mind too. I remember him saying something about um, before he left, he was in a position where he was like, I guess, cracking jokes or whatever like that, and right. he said he saw like some white people or whatever. They were laughing at him, right, and not with him. And he said that kind of made him feel kind of weird. And I, I felt like that in the movie, like when Homeboy started laughing. Fam, I was like, am I? I don't know if this is funny, fam. Yo, it seemed. Did y'all hear that white dude in the theater? That whole white dude. <laughs> yeah, he was sitting down like further from us. The first time that um, he heard, I don't know, like. In the trailer, obviously, we know the white voice is coming, right? right? We know that Danny Glover does it first. So when he did it, the white dude, like, was so weak. And I'm like, bro, why yeah. you laughing? That's how y'all talk. Right. <laughs> so, no, like, that's he, probably your actual voice. You're right. That's the first time I heard him. And then he went off, like, three other times. And he was laughing at places that were, like, completely inappropriate. And I leaned over and looked at Jesse like, yo, <laughs> looked down at the dude. Yeah, he's also, laughing. we went to the hood theater, so. We did. We did. Oh, but Dave Chappelle, Kanye West. I feel like Kanye West needs to see this movie. Hell yeah, he does. Um, and I couldn't think, of, I can't think of the fucking third person, but I had a third person that I was like, yo, these three people need to sit and watch this fucking movie, and I want to hear the conversation that comes from it. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so let's go to our message, our, our uh, inter-message movie correspondent. Uh, young Leezy, oh, okay. to get the, uh, <laughs> the commentary on, on, I mean, on what you felt like. I knew it was a social commentary movie that would probably focus on like race and capitalism, mm-hmm. but I, the message was less about race than mm-hmm. it was about capitalism. Mm-hmm. And um, I was sitting there thinking of that Frederick Douglass quote that was in Burning Sands. Okay. When he was like seeing what people will willingly submit to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really what it was. It was like, well, what will you do to get what you want? Like, what can I dangle in front of you? Like, how far are you willing to go? Right. Um, in pursuit of money. Because he was he was fine at a certain point. But mm-hmm. he just was like, okay, this is a goal that I have. And I think it's like also a commentary on like the American dream where you see yourself. Um, well, I well I take that back with the, the portion about race. Like. Because there was a point where they weren't talking about race, but they were talking about race. He's right. like, I'm not one of you. Right. Like, I'm different than you. I've achieved this. And so, like, we don't have the same struggle. So, like, I don't need to involve myself. I'm going to put my head down and go get my money. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, like, this is a movie about, like, Omarosa. Like, we're <laughs> Because right. it was, that's, like, how I envisioned, like, her her relationship with like a Donald Trump. It's like, I'm going to, I've gotten here and it's going to propel me to where I want to go. And then when she got in the room for real, the room, the room, she was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, yo, this is just like the trajectory of her career in a movie. That's very true. Yeah. Especially like the, like the whole, uh, the rap scene, like you said, the Mm -hmm. nigga shit, nigga, you know, that was just a very, um, I don't know. That That was, that was definitely a very like on the nose 
commentary about hip hop. About like, hip hop, right. And um also too before the scene before that when they're like, I bet you can rap. They were they were asking him about like his experiences like with violence and mm-hmm. like really his their their caricature per, uh, perception of black people. Right. And when he didn't fit the caricature, they were like, oh, okay, well you should definitely be able to entertain us in this way. <laughs> right. And so I think that and he was in the room, like Omari wasn't laughing. It Not was just all. him and Omari and they were the only two black people in the room. And it was just kind of like, amuse us with your blackness. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, well, perform for us, shuck and jive or whatever. Right. Uh-huh. And then um, there became a point where um, when he, he couldn't pull it out of his head and he didn't have any creativity, like... He just went to call and response. He Well, no. He, he did the thing that, like, it, it was just like a really dumb dumbed down version of like it's not really a message i'm just saying nigga shit like yeah, literally that's how i and i mean like that that's definitely a commentary on hip-hop and it's a thing that like i won't get into who but like when i listen to certain songs i'm like yo the subsex to this is me me hearing the person well i'll fuck it so like mask off the first time I heard it and he's going right. Percocet, Molly Percocet. Like in my head, I hear him going, kill yourself, kill, kill yourself. Right, like, and I'm like, right, this is right. what we're playing for our children. Like, yeah, I don't know. So it's, it, it was just one of those things. And that's one of those songs where like white people ate that fucking song they up. Loved it. And I was just like, yo. They loved it. Yeah. I, I just thought of like, I guess in the past few months, maybe like, yeah, all the instances of like white people getting in trouble for saying the n-word like the Kendrick Lamar concert <laughs> right. the shorty went no, on that, stage that, cool yeah. that white lady sh- sh- listen. he fucking yeah. set her up he's I a just, douche for that I just wish more white people would know you just, you just don't say the n-word yeah. like, it's just not part of it's just not part of the uh, yeah. it's not part of the thing Yeah. notice that Martin put his hood on anybody oh. anybody <laughs> <laughs> Martin put his hood on that's funny yeah. Um, Martin well, Martin had a fresh had haircut today. Martin, he clean I, as a bitch in here. Martin, Martin had his hood on all. First of all, Martin did the funniest shit I ever seen anybody do in a theater. <laughs> Yo, Martin, motherfucking. I was sitting next. To, first of all, Lizzie, I'm, uh, I'm. Thank you for switching with me, Jesse. I didn't talk the whole time. Oh, Ashanti that, definitely uh, talked uh, more uh, than I did. Nah. Yes, she did. Nah. <laughs> nah. According to Jesse, according to Corey, you talk plenty. Nah, you didn't talk all the time, but you oh, talk no, plenty. But no. I was saying, but you did talk plenty. Yeah. Whatever. So, Jesse, thank you very much for switching seats in that configuration <laughs> that she preferred anyway. Uh, so I didn't have to hear any. I got not commentary. ruin the movie for you. I got you. two scoops of popcorn for free. So I was happy. Y'all were talking oh. shit about me when I ran out to the store and then thought no. I had some friends. That's no. What no, no, we didn't no. do that. <laughs> I said you just like to add your two cents, but that's cool. I'm used to that. <laughs> so Martin did the funniest <laughs> shit. He was So I'm sitting next to Martin. Or, you know, we do the thing that men do when we go to the theaters. Like, you sit, you, you leave like one seat in yeah. between so wow. you don't sit directly next to him. I only I do it. that. I left it for Corey, Listen, actually. I only do no, that if the if it, the theater yeah. is like stupid empty. So if you, you, you know what I mean? You come in, there's like two guys sitting next to each other. Right. If it's a packed house, like I'm sitting next to you. Like I'm not worried about Oh, fucking that's some chair. black well, man yeah, shit. Like, white yeah. like I don't, don't do care. That. I mean, now, now, if you put the armrest up, I'm gonna be like, hold on, Tracy. <laughs> hold on, fam. I, I do put the armrest up. Like, so. no, we're not putting the armrest up, buddy. But um, so there, I guess it was like a couple next to you that there was just kept like talking. three couples. There was one in front of me, one to the right of me, and one behind me. <laughs> so you got up and like went to like the bottom row. Yeah. No, I got up, I went to the bottom, and I came around and went all the way back up to the top. 
So you was on my, you started out on my oh, right. Oh, so you were on the other side of Corey? Y'all didn't see him walk like in front a, of the no. screen. No, I was watching, <laughs> no, I was watching <laughs> the movie. That shit was hilarious, bro. Yo, Martin moved a whole section. But Martin, but the way he did it was funny, too, because he looked over at me. He was like, yo, I'm moving. They're talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> So he made a loud announcement to tell me they're talking too much. I was like, all right, bro. And then I just see him go down. I'm with you because I really hate people talking to movies. I wish movies had a a strict policy about talking. If you complain, they will kick people out. I just, that's why I love the Alamo. It's like you get kicked out for talking. Like, it's not necessary to talk. Like, I take a certain someone to the movie sometimes and she likes to ask questions. And I'd be like, I'll I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Right. You're talking about your roommate. We're talking about the stick. Yeah, we're talking about the roommate. I'm, what, what the, I'm, the, the, yeah, the, and then we're gonna the, add the, the beep, like the beep, like in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the beep. But um, like, what was that about? The, I don't the, know. The Maybe it might have been a wink and a nod to Kill Bill. He kept doing that. He kept yeah. throwing things in from other movies. So yeah, that right. might have been it. So that's that first. Director. I don't know. I mean, that's that first time director shit. I I kind of looked at it as like that character may or may not represent the kind of. You know, when you get into a situation at a job or a career, and this is the guy that's going to show you the ropes, mm-hmm. you know, that this person doesn't have a name, you know, that this person is is so this. kind of embedded in this shit that they they just, they become, mm. you know what I mean? Like, it's a character at that point. It, it doesn't mm. matter what that person's name is. Where there's that? always, you know, like, like the Uncle Tom. Right. You know, and I don't mean to compare this to an Uncle Tom. I'm I, that's just because we're talking about right. black shit. How it's just shit. mad vague. Yeah, it's like super vague. So it's a way of saying that without saying Uncle Tom. That's you know? actually a good point. Yeah. Um, then I didn't think about it that way, but I wasn't really paying attention. Were the other people who were power callers black, other than him? No, no, no. Nah, I was just well. There was a black woman, um, and then there's Amari Hardwick. That, I think that's it. Okay. Mm. So, That's how I kind of interpret it is that this person is just he's just kind of like you. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, and, and they were basically pushing the Cassius to be, you know, eventually your name is it's kind of meaningless. You're just kind of another number, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, because there's definitely racial tones to this in, in terms of corporate structure. There's also tones of like, you, you know, when you work for a, a corporation, you're just a number. You're just uh-huh. a person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not really a name, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that, I think. You just made me think about the scene of Insecure between, what was the girl's name, Rashida and Molly, where, like, it was Mm. like, oh, you're the person that she should aspire to be, and so I'm going to send you to deliver this message. Obviously, not the same message, but it was just kind of like, hey, I'm where you want to be, and I look like you, and I'm unsuspecting, like, person Mm. vouching for you. Right. I get what you mean. Yeah, that, I, I can see that being a wink and nod to that. Um, hmm. I, I want to know, what was the overall message of the film? <sighs> All right, so I think it's what Lizzie said about, you know, the, the, the whole ideology of, like, capitalism. Um, um, you know, for me, there was, it, was, it was, I mean, we, I, you know, there's just so many parallels. I don't know which yeah. portion to, t- to take think, out. I like, think it was about, like capitalism and and the ways that it is violent against certain groups of people and unfair and and oppressive against certain people but that we are presented with um certain images to desensitize us to that reality there there was something that steven yoon's character said that pretty much hit it on the head for me which is like he he said something like they'll show you they'll show you 
a problem. And if you don't have yeah. a solution, you'll just adapt to that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of like the whole thing for me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Is mm-hmm. that like, and you know, sometimes we, you know, to use the word desensitize, we, we see the things that are wrong with the world and we get overwhelmed with like, yo, I can't really fucking do nothing about it. So you just mm-hmm. adapt to shit mm-hmm. and you yeah. just keep going like it's not a fucking problem. Well, there, I think that was like a line too. Like, this is just what it is. Like, yeah. Um, but then too, like, I, I, there was nothing that was presented in terms of imagery that wasn't purposeful. Mm-hmm. So, what was it like? I got the shit kicked out of me or whatever. Right. The like, little, is the live show. Yeah, but it was like, oh, this is what people are watching. Like, yo, that's a world start like shit. Like, like a motherfucker. And it's yeah, all yeah. the it's all the the ignorant shit yeah. that people are entertained by, and right. all the I think like violence that we're entertained by. Um, it desensitizes us to like real human tragedy mm-hmm. because we're constantly bombarded with it, well, so well, it doesn't uh, shock us anymore. Right. Well, I like the mess. I, I interpret that message too. Is that you know you his message had to go through that bullshit in order to be seemed as relevant to get to another level. Because that's what people were actually yeah, paying. Th- that's what people are he paying He literally had to. to go through bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, right. you, you, you have to have a platform like that to mm-hmm. accelerate your, your viewpoint. Your viewpoint. Yeah, your yeah. message or content. And so, and, and eventually he realized that. Right. Which is, you know, silly, but. That's kind of like yeah. a Jay-Z metaphor though, too, in what? a way. Like, I presented you with the thing that was palatable for you, and now I'm gonna really talk to you. Right. Maybe yeah. not as crude of a of a of a delivery, but I can see that. Like I've, you know, I worked through the machine to be able to say what I want to say. Yeah, I did that. So hopefully, yeah. You wouldn't have to go. There you go. That. I knew you'd grab it. Yeah. Um. Now I like the okay. So I like the idea about the controlled media too. Mm-hmm. So it was like he only had like three channels. It was pretty much only like it was a finite amount of programming that they kept going back and forth to, and it was all designed to, um, you, I don't know. It, it was it was all programming, right? So yep. they programmed you with the whole. It's like the crib style show mm-hmm. to show you how this. What was that shit called again? The worry free. How the worry free shit worked. They tried to make it look all glamorous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, it's not that in, bad for them. Yeah, motherfuckers laying in bunk beds together. <laughs> that shit was weird. I mean, you could use that for a metaphor for anything. For though, a lot like. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I interpret that as a few things. Uh, corporate America or mm-hmm. just working in any type of job. I mean, you know, it reminded me of like, um, we talked about this, like places in uh, the South like uh, or coal miner towns. Mm-hmm. Places where they do uh, the chicken factories and things like that, where like right. these corporations set up, air, they set up shop in an area and create uh, a town almost out yeah, of it. Yeah, you create know? an economy. Yeah, yeah an economy yeah. based around the mm. uh, right. out of the product, which which basically gives them the ability to control wages because there's yeah, nothing yeah. there. Absolutely, um, and people don't have any real choices. But I think too, like it it show it's showing you a projection of what it they want you to believe the conditions for these people are, whether or not it's accurate. Like we never yeah. did see inside of what they were doing for real. Right. Yeah. That's very true. We saw commercials, we saw marketing, but we never that at no point did you ever go inside of the workspace. Yeah. You saw we yeah, saw yeah. animations, like yeah. I don't know it's if you guys way. realize, like they never showed it to us. Interesting. Yeah, you're kinda right about that. Um I yeah, I, I 
as soon as he walked into that whole scene where he went to the bathroom, right, and they kind of revealed the whole equestrian, what do they call it? First off, you should uh, keep ho- your... Homo, homo you, equestrian. You should keep homo your equestrian. secret uh, locker room for horse people. <laughs> yeah. oh, like, you should yeah. keep that away. Well secured. Well secured. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> walking through it, I, the before they even revealed what the people were, I, I, I was saying, like, oh, shit, this is the, if this is the bathroom, we got, like... These shower it's stalls, it's like a prison. Shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like some Holocaust prison, you know, mm-hmm. institutionalized sort and of that, shit. I, like I said, I don't think there was a single image that wasn't meant to convey a message. Absolutely. So I know they... And, they, he's, and he said that. He was like apples to Holocaust, remember? Right, right. Well, he, he, he said, we're, we're, he's like, what they're selling and what we're selling, he was like, is as apples to oranges. He was like, it's more like apples to Holocaust. Yeah, he did say that. I did forget about that line. So they kept on. So all right, a couple things about Boots Riley. Obviously, from the narrative of this film, is that he's a revolutionary at heart, or he comes from some sort of a revolutionary background. I think for him to be conscious of this love, Oakland. Obviously, yeah. if you're from Oakland, you know, and and you're of color and you're connected, you're of a certain age or whatever the case may be, you're connected to you know. Uh, I mean, that's where the Black Panthers were birthed, right? So mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's there's a little bit of a different awareness. You know, you got Oscar Grant that happened there. There's, the awareness is different in the Bay Area. Um, I, and I would imagine it's because of things like the Black Panthers and, you know, just their history of uh, dealing with social, you know, social shit. So um, I think it's safe to say that he is a, you know, he's a social justice warrior to some degree. Uh, Ooh, that's become like a slur now. Uh, really? <laughs> is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. It's just people use it negatively in a way that I don't think you intend in this context. Okay, that's fair. Um, uh, he, he has some sort of proclivity to left eye for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if that's like one of his biggest inspirations in music because apparently he's like a rapper. He's like a, he's an artist, Boots Rally, I believe. Uh, but re- left eye was mentioned um, a lot, and well, the 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 rebellion was left eye. But you have to also think like, what is she outside of her art? What is she famous for? And she fucking set shit on fire. So Ooh, okay, didn't make that connection either. I mean, well, not that specific. I knew it had to be something, but um, and there was something else, man. The whole so I like the the transition of that they had. It was like a billboard that said something. Oh, it was, it yeah. said like, show the world you're a responsible baby daddy. And it was like a yeah. black man with a 40, like sitting on the couch. Right. And then that transition to show, show the world, world your, your response. Your response. And then yeah. it was like, he was sitting in the Huey Newton chair with the. He, yeah. But what was very interesting to me was at the point where he's pretend, per, like telling him like, I'm, I'm going to turn you into a horse or whatever mm-hmm. that. He presented him like with this. Well, when he goes to the house party, made mm-hmm. me back up. That picture of what they did to the sign was in the house, right? Right. And he's when he presented him with the opportunity, he was like, "You're like the Martin Luther King, but you're you really are working for us." Right. And I thought, well, are these other people that are supposed to be the rebellion working for him too? Because mm-hmm. ultimately. And, he, and you notice this too, like when he gave them negative press, it only made them more money. It only made made them more famous. Mm. And so the people protesting outside of um, his company, I think, really only gave it more attention. Even though it's negative mm-hmm. to some people, it elevates it 
relevance. And that's something I said, though. I was like, even when you disagree with people, when you talk about them, you broaden the reach yeah, of their influence. That's true. That's and true that was thing. that was really I was just thinking, hmm, like, so who who else is actually working for him? And I thought that maybe Squeeze was like an agent of his, too. Right. So I don't know. It's it just kind of like who's what side are people playing on for real? Right. Well, I, well, I, I felt like, well, OK, so maybe. All right. So when the, he gets hit in the head with the Coke can and they create this whole narrative of the Coke and a smile, bitch, and mm. you got the Afro. And I, the, I didn't I didn't think that would go as long as it did. R- right. Like I was a little like confused i admit when that when i realized that that was going to be a thing for a good portion of the film i think that was a commentary on meme culture i think they were referencing the uh kendall jenner commercial too like when they had the uh the girl like she threw the can at the dude and then they start making out that kind of reminded me of the whole kendall jenner pepsi commercial where like she gives the cops a pepsi right and life was better yeah because Kendall Jenner gave a cop a Pepsi. Right. <laughs> but um, I, you, I can, I can see what you're saying t- uh, in in that particular case, Lizzy. I can also see where it's like um, where this is like they kind of use media to spin something, um, to you know to broaden that awareness where it, it's not necessarily like you had people in this faction that are working for you. you although that's a plausible theory. It's just more so. There's like I'm, I'm taking, I'm kind of, really. It was a lot of like misdirection, right? It's uh-huh. like, it's like you know, the whole incident of him getting hit, hit in the head with coke can became bigger than the revolt itself, right? Like oh, what, man. what was actually happening there. So, um, it's like the distraction, like media taking something that made no, like the whole kneeling. Right, the whole mm-hmm. kneeling, the Colin Kaepernick kneeling. They spun the narrative yeah. to make it about something completely right. different. Which, in which, in turn, obviously, you know, they they called uh, Army Hammer's character a genius because he was raising the stocks. You know, he's raising the 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 net worth of this company, and it was done through this narrative and this whole. I don't know if that was it was one single event, but obviously, you know, he's smart at working these pieces. Well, well, right. That's but that he said that. Like I need I need the rev, the the rebellious voice to actually be one that I'm controlling. Mm-hmm. So he he understands that even that all press is good press. Like, right. And so he's like, well, if I if I can be in control of both sides of the argument, then I'm only going to win. Right. So yeah, that 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 movie speaks to a lot. Um I want to talk about my favorite moment in the film. And it was when she was doing the performance art piece. <laughs> and she said that she was basically uh, Tessa Thompson's character. She's an artist. Um, and she's doing this abstract fucking performance piece where she just stands in front of people with, uh, she had like these hands that were covering all her private parts. So she's standing naked in front of a crowd, basically with some sunglasses on. And she just kept repeating the end of the, end of the argument between uh, Eddie Arcadian and Angela in The Last Dragon <laughs> uh, when she's wearing the uh, when she's wearing the headlight tits uh, and and she says yeah and you're just getting by on my tits <laughs> and, and um, you're uh, and also from you're just a midget such a misguided midget but I kind of feel like that was part of the you know I don't know that that even him picking that right that particular monologue about who Eddie Arcadian was. He's just like this, basically this guy with the Napoleon complex, you know, that, that thinks he's God of a specific situation. And he was willing to do anything 
to accomplish a goal, no matter how heinous it was. No matter how heinous it was. And he was also from Kew Gardens, which is in Queens. But um, but he put her down for being from the same place he was from. Right. So even that, even him picking that monologue to me was like, it was, it was a message. And I was so glad because nobody references fucking Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. You know? Except for like Buster Rhymes. Yeah, that's about it. But, to, mm-hmm. you know, to see it in another film, that was just really, really, really dope. Um, I don't know. What y'all think about that scene? It was a. I I listen to a lot of podcasts, but there's a um an, a performance artist, and her name is Marina Abramovich. Abramovich. Okay. And she did something similar where people were invited to like attack her. Mm. What they throw? Lamb's blood. Sheep's blood. Sheep's blood. Sheep's blood yeah. uh, bullet casings cell and phones. cell phones. Old cell yeah. phones. So what is that about? I think like those cell- are very specific things. Okay, so 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 let's get the specificity. Let's give some specificity clarification to these things because so cell phones. So you know, there's a whole thing about cell the, phones is your attention. Cell phones is your attention. Okay. Um, I'd say bullets are control, their power, and then blood is your life. Mm. Okay. Oh, sure, I'm buying it. Yeah, and she did say something about the cell phones, like I guess being. Like the components were in Af- from Africa, right? And stuff they like were that. made from made in Africa, yeah. right? Right, the right, because it was definitely a piece about, I guess, the resources or just about Africa, period. And she was speaking to the resources, I guess, in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I buy your theory. I mean, I buy your theory to a degree, but now it's it seems he Jesse's making it seem like it may have had a deeper meaning. I don't, you know? I don't think that there's necessarily like. One, one or the right other. answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I admit that's going to segue into my my I I th- my problems with this movie. I think yeah. this movie had too many too many messages and too many side messages. I can mm-hmm. agree. I think that it was a lot to process, and 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 that that creates a messy delivery, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't make your message any invalid, but it makes the movie me- messy. Yeah, I couldn't and, really. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I couldn't really tell what they were trying to do with the messaging. Yeah. Like, are you trying to just, you know, just deliver a message? Are you trying to poke fun at it? You know, because I feel like in some ways it seems like it can kind of diminish, like the deeper. Yeah, and you kind of definitely movie. satirical. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, and, and that is open for interpretation. I mean, mm-hmm. and and what I hate is that you, I'm with you. Like, you can miss things, mm-hmm. and, you know, because some stuff is so subtle, mm-hmm. and you become overwhelmed by other things, and other things are. Like we were talking about the the thing we got hit with the soda can. Like uh, it took me a minute to realize that this was going to be something, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and but you maybe never that... see it coming that way either. I know. Like but... I, what you just said was mm-hmm. that it was so it was so much going on that you miss what's actually happening or yeah. the messages that you're supposed to catch. I think that that happens in real life. It does. And I think but... that in terms of the things that were happening, like all of those things work in concert to. I, I, I disagree with you because... You, no, I mean in real life. Like all of the no, things that they were just pointing out oh, yeah, like, that's fine. work in concert to have us in the situation that we're in. That's fine. But it, it, if you're going to make a movie about how you're missing the message in real life, then don't make the movie exactly like real life. Like, it, it wasn't. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, but like that's how I felt. Like <laughs> yeah. there's so many messages. Yeah. There's so many side things that don't necessarily funnel back to the main point or the main story mm-hmm. that you become a little lost. I can it, agree. Yeah. I can agree. I mean, it was. I, I, I'm not saying that it wasn't overwhelming. I'm just saying, like, my critique of your critique is that it's overwhelming, but that's real life. Uh, like, yeah. real that all those things work in concert in real life. And so, 
if they're happening all happening to you in real life, then you're obviously right. missing some things in real life too, which is the case for most people. Right. Yeah. You, you only you only perceive the things that you're open to perceive. So I'm sure that I missed something. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure there's several things. Right. I mean, because it's very dense. The, the, there's a lot of dense messages, and I agree with you, Corey. I, I feel like this is, you know, the, something in the interview that I, you know, on the Breakfast Club that I learned about Boots is that he was developing this for I think 12 years he was writing this script or something crazy like that where he had let it he had let it go at one point and then he had bought it back but that's what it that's what it seems like it's like this is a you know they say like the reason why artists first albums are the best is because it's like a collective of everything up until this particular age that they drop this body of work Mm -hmm. so that's what makes the sophomore curse you know a thing it's like I've, I've talked about I've accumulated every experience that I've had and put it into my music to this point and now it's kind of like to follow that up, it has to be between 2018 and 2019 experiences, mm-hmm. as opposed to from 1995 to 2018, and that and that's what it was. It was just like a summation of everything that yeah. he's accumulated over life and wanted to say all in one film. Where it's like well, if he didn't pay, he should have paced himself. But if you want to compare it, you know, if you want to, I, I've seen people compare it to Get Out, yeah. and if you want to compare it to Get Out, like Get Out to me felt like it had. A very central, very streamlined, very focus. streamlined. Yeah. It had its, it had its tangents, right. but they all, in a way, kept they kept it tight to right. the central message. This was like, you could go this way, you could go this way. There, I mean, there's things about it that, and I'm not gonna say they don't have anything to do with each other, but they can, they can go left and right for an eternity. So, if you right, wanted yeah. to sum up the point of the movie, it's that first conversation that Cassius and Detroit have when they're laying in the bed. Okay. When he was like, none of this shit is ever going to matter. And she was like, what matters is what you do right now. Mm. So, like, even the small things, like, they matter. And what you do right now does matter over all of that course of time that mm. he was talking about. Mm. Mm, good pick. Did you yeah. did you kind of like hear that and save it? You like stored it away? Like no, I'm just I'm, I'm still processing up. it because <laughs> I don't remember quotes like as good as you. That's that I really I really you actually remember you quotes this. pretty well, but I'm just I'm just processing it because one thing that I have learned from you is that dialogue is also intentional most yeah. of the time, and so like there was something that they were they were saying that was important in that conversation. Right, right. No, that's that's just dope that you picked it up like that. Um, um. Yeah, it's very nutrient dense, man. Uh, and 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 it, you know, I mean, you, I don't know, man. There's so many scenes that seem yeah. like it, it meant nothing, like the whole VIP yeah. thing at the beginning where they went to the place and yeah, yeah that I had problems really with the VIP place. scene. Mm-hmm. I had problems with. What do you think he was trying to say? I mean, maybe he was trying to say, look, you know, this is how the other half lives. Yeah. Like he's trying to tease you, the like big, you I know. think it was a grass is not greener message, like. That if you you can want to be in the room and then you get in the room and it's really not special, mm-hmm. you're you're still like uncomfortable or there's different challenges mm-hmm. in the room mm-hmm. and you find that where you were were before it was just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, uh, so which foreshadow and I, well, I mean that's yeah, also that's like exactly. a metaphor for the movie yeah, too. Yeah, yeah that's kind of true. Well, I had problems with that. I had problems with some of the there was like random scenes where Detroit was like doing random things like when, when she was like vandalizing oh yeah right well I think and like it didn't it, it kind of didn't connect to the rest well, of the she film was, she was part of the resistance right yeah. but she was still in bed with the enemy 
this stuff is very on the nose. Like I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm but being so, deep right now. But it doesn't. It, it doesn't have a buildup. It doesn't have a connection to it. It's it's like scenes. Yeah, like you're right. On on paper, they're very clear. So, but they're not done in a very a movie like way that makes sense. So I get. I, I think I I'm, I almost kind of get where the where the deconstruction is is mm-hmm. because like you want this to have a very linear structure to an actual story, like a like a fable in a sense where Maybe. these these characters Maybe, yeah. are really extensions of um um extensions of actions that happen yeah, yeah. i guess or like you, you know these whole these very literal mm-hmm. you know the way that you're able to process them easy like you're saying they're right on the nose but you're saying they're right on the nose from the context of like um what this there's symbolisms as opposed yeah. to characters. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, and saying? this is an abstract film, so maybe yeah. my viewpoint is not valid because I'm looking at it as like the way it sounds like you're describing these check off bullet points for. No, it was their, very much Keenan Ivory Wayne cool. dressed like a fucking mailman going message. message like. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. And yeah. and 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 so maybe I need to take a step back and say, well, okay, maybe this is. It wasn't what you wanted it to be, and as a it, consumer, I don't think that make, that's an invalid viewpoint. Right. Like, it just didn't make sense. It was very like, what is going on? And then right. you know, and then the the affair or not not the affair, the the fling mm-hmm. with the, like. That was like two shots, like yeah, it was right. like I just was like, what, what was it, the purpose? Of what it? was the per? I, I get it. It probably has a very surface level um, purpose. It probably didn't work in editing. I'm guessing that's. But that's how I Ooh, felt about point. some items of this film. Is that mm-hmm. on a surface level they have a purpose, mm-hmm. but like from an edit and from the presentation, I'm like, yeah. this feels really fucking forced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but then it's an abstract film, so. I, I'm I'm a, I'll admit that maybe I need to take a step back and say, well, this is not. Well, I don't you know. think you're wrong. You know, I think I, that I, scene I, where she tells him that this is the last time we're doing this doesn't work if she doesn't kiss the dude. Yeah. So I it probably had to make it into the final edit, but I I'm willing to bet that they're that they just kind of cut that storyline. I can see that you you make a good case for that, but, but it, it felt awkward. Yeah, it I, felt awkward and like. Odd. I, I don't think you're of, wrong, Corey. Yeah. I, I think I think this movie wanted to be more um, unique than it wanted to be formulaic. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like I think this movie wanted to stand out in certain ways. I think it oh, wanted yeah. to say something more than it cared about you understanding. Yes, yes. There that that sums up my yeah. impression of this movie. It it and and there are just parts of it that I'm like, ah, this doesn't. You know, it goes back to a lot of my commentary on social. You know, movies that try to have this message. Sometimes if if a tree falls in the forest and you know what I mean right. if you don't hear it then it didn't make a sound yeah yeah it didn't make a sound because if you you know and you, the people in this room are more aware of movies and their abilities to be a little more deeper but if your average moviegoer looks at that and doesn't fucking understand it then who cares right. so, I think yeah. they're sending so many messages at you that they hope one of them would stick basically yeah. and I somebody mean. could walk away with Something. See, I I guess me as a moviegoer, I prefer a more streamlined yeah message and right. say, listen, stick to your message and fucking own it. You know this. You're right. This feels like a whole bunch of messages thrown at the wall, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. Right. It's just it, it it creates a messy film. But I guess that wall is capitalism. Like they're all messages that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the wall isn't just a wall. The wall is capitalism. Yeah. I guess so. It I is under it. one umbrella. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I still think it's a good movie. I, I still got got it for the most part. Yeah, but uh, but I, I think I think what you're saying is valid because that, that it's leads not me, perfect. It, it leads me into the question of 
what does the average moviegoer think about this film? And how do you feel like the average moviegoer is going to receive this film? <laughs> she said it was annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shabba Shanti said it was annoying. She stormed out of there quick. Yeah, so... Um, and, I mean, I mentioned that in the very infamous three-part series about Spike Lee. Right. And, and you know that I, I appreciate movies that want to have a message, but if if you can't, if people can't digest it, yeah. you know, what's the... Point. Well, I yeah. think I think when you compare Boots Riley in this this effort mm-hmm. to Spike Lee, Spike is way more subtle. You know, <laughs> you should probably appreciate <laughs> yeah, Spike yeah, a lot yeah. more. Some, so in com- by comparison, yes. Yeah, because um, I, I, you know, I'm I'm really I I really have to see a sophomore follow up from this guy to really evaluate. And I don't know if it, I don't know if that's in his you know if that's even Something his agenda, yeah. right? Because uh, again, like we were joking earlier on the microphone, I don't think that. He obviously has no interest in um, in in creating in the realm of corporate media, you know. So I think if he's going to keep continue to do releases, they're going to be like this. They're going to be produced independently, and they're going to be picked up by a big, you know, distributor, and that's the end of it. Um. So I don't know because that final scene would lead me to believe that he may be like foreshadowing, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to end up, I'm talking to you, but like, and I'm part of the rebellion, but like, I'm going to end up in the same situation. I didn't get With the final scene. The final scene, right? So, so I thought it was so strange that after having that experience, right, Mm -hmm. he wanted to go back and work for them. Is that what that scene was saying? He was saying, I'm in the union now and I'm going to go back and work for them. So, That's not what I interpret. Oh, oh, you're okay. You're saying the scene. Are you? You're not talking about the final scene that happened when the credits came on. You're talking I, about the I, scene I, before I, that. But the but the scene before that was like it was it was telegraphing that like you're going back into the machine. You're a workhorse anyway. Even after all that, you're still a yeah. Workhorse. He was gonna go back and be yeah. a telemarketer. Yeah. And, and he was At still Regal, gonna be yeah, part yeah. of the problem. Like he's he never like he's still gonna go do the man's bidding in right. whatever capacity mm-hmm. that that is. Okay. Like, Okay, so, th- all right, so let's talk about the scene that happened after the credits then. Mm-hmm. When he is fully equestrian, what, is it, what do they call it? Homo equestrian. Uh, okay, homo. Oh, homo equine. Homo, no, uh, equisapien, I think. Equisapien. What, equisapien, I think oh, is what they okay, call yeah. it, something like that. I don't know. So he's full <laughs> horse guy, right, Mr. Horse. He's workhorse. Mr. Ed, he's a, he's a workhorse. There you go, right on the nose again. Um And he comes back for, Ar- what is Army Hammer's character's name? I forget. I'm bad Lift. With- his name yeah, Lift? Steve. Yeah, Steve, Steve Lift. Lift or Lift. Lift. So what is he trying to say with that? Steve Lift. Anyway, all right. Maybe, Maybe nothing. Bootstrap you got to grab. I don't know. That's a reach. <laughs> um, but oh, so so many metaphors. I'm still processing. Right, and and he and he comes to his crib and basically, you know, there's like. It's like the maybe the last leg of the rebellion that's happening at Steve Lift's mansion. What what was happening there? I mean, is that right on the nose too? I don't or? know about that being right on the nose. I think that was a way of showing you that he still ended up fucked up, like even though, and it, it was nothing he could do about it at that mm-hmm. point. But uh, what do you think? Because I'm processing, right? Okay. So, do you think that there was like, you know, he said three hots in a cot, right? When mm-hmm. he was talking about worry free. Do you think that that was like a commentary on the prison industrial complex? And 100%. the way that they turned them into work workhorses was through yeah. drugs. A hundred percent. Oh, I did, well, I didn't pick that up. That yeah, they were they did the drugs, drugs and then they right. became a workhorse. Right, so I didn't make the connection between the two, but I a hundred percent made the connection between 
uh, prison and this industrial capitalistic. Yeah, but that's like I said, I'm processing, and that was that was the way that they got introduced. It's through drugs to become a workhorse was through drugs. Wow, that's that's I'm I'm not that's I don't think that's a reach. I don't think that's a reach at all. Um, yeah, I don't think that's a reach at all to be perfectly. And honest. he just he didn't and and I you know Cassius didn't seem like the type of he smoked weed, but he wasn't like a coke guy, but he like did it to fit in with this white dude, right? Mm. This is true. Did anybody notice that the the coke lines were excessively super excessive? Like I'm I, not, I'm I, not, I have not done coke. I've um, seen a coke line though. Boy, that was mad grams. <laughs> that was like ten grams. I was like, like, actually snorting it. Was, was, was that like, like powdered sugar? Because I, I can't like, imagine having that up your nose. Oh, that that was my next thing. Is like from a production I think in movie world that? they do powdered milk. Right, mm, but that's like, what I read in the Scarface IMDb trivia. But you still have to inhale it through right, your nose. Right, and powdered and that milk was that's, is acidic. I wouldn't want that traveling through like my, my sinuses. You're crazy. Uh, well, so when you're getting paid, um, yeah, large I, This is a one-take thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're going to set up all the, the angles yeah, you yeah. need. Multi-cam yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch. Yeah. One take, too. Because that was like, he definitely sniffed like an eight ball, bro. That was a very <laughs> I just, line. I just, I thought I was the only one to notice that those coke lines were like pretty excessive. Nah, it was like a whole, it was like a full 10 second sniff. And then like, the one with homie, that shit was like a. It was uh, in a uh, circle. Uh, like, and I wonder yeah. like if that Mr. was meant Bobo. to be like, oh, I'm sympathizing. And it was oh, a horse in yeah. it, too. Yeah, Mr. Bobo. Yeah. Um, Bobo. Uh, Gotta Google Mr. Bobo. What, what, what were we saying? What were they saying? With this whole football, the football team, I I I was trying to think about that, and I, I didn't know. know because it it made like eight appearances. It really did, yeah. and then it made its final appearance at the, you know, at the the revolt, the the final stand between the, uh, the union and. The um, people. maybe this is my, I'm definitely reaching, but maybe it was about how like the people that you discredit are the ones that actually can be useful and helpful to you. Like, because he had written them off as like losers. Losers, right. Even though he was still a fucking loser himself. Like he still had somebody to look down on. Right. And that's actually, that's actually saying something too. Um, Those are the people you need to unite with. mm -hmm. As a, well, I guess maybe I'm reaching, maybe I'm not. I'm still profit. Yeah. Well, but I mean, but, but you, but no, that's very much like I'm, I'm in the same situation. Like I'm a loser too, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 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 at the shit end of the stick too, and I haven't really achieved much since high school. But I ha- still have these other people over here that I criticize, and I think like our political climate that people see themselves as separate from other people who are pretty much in their same situation, just right. so that they have someone to feel better than. Right. This is, this is a good point. I just thought it was funny how they were never playing football. <laughs> they were just always like just huddled walking up. around in jerseys, like huddling and like yeah. pushing each other. Right. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Um, Detroit's earrings, obviously, said oh, some cool God. shit. Always, yeah. said, always said something cool. I like the um, one that said, "Tell Homeland Security we're the bomb." We're the bomb. <laughs> that was yeah. dope. Yeah, that was cute. Um, that, yeah. That, what do you? Who do y'all feel like her? Is there anybody that you feel like her character is inspired by? Well, that's definitely Radio Raheem with like the love and hate stuff to me. I think that's part of it. Okay. Um, Good call. Outside of that, I mean, it, she's very unique character. I would have to really think about mm-hmm. other um, characters. Yeah. I don't know about her being inspired by another character, but as much as people who listen to this like to characterize me as like super left. 
I don't mm. think of myself that way because I know some super left people. Right. But like, I really have had to do like some soul searching in the way that I um, perceive other people's opinions, especially like in our current political climate. Mm. And um, I think that she is a character. They did. They never like commented on it, mm-hmm. but she saw herself. She she saw. Um, Cassius, Detroit saw Cassius as very clearly selling out. Um, but she kind of did some of those things also. Yeah, like, mm. they never explained, like, one minute she was, like, chilling, and the next minute she worked as a telemarketer, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was really kind of perplexed by that. I was like, so you're... Well, he was making money, and she was like, well, I'm going to come and make money, right. too. That's yeah. not uncommon, like, in real life with, I, like, I, call I centers. know that, <laughs> but I am the presentation. Right. Is that all of a sudden you just look, and she's in the left cubicle, mm-hmm. and it's like... Okay, why is she here? And she's yeah. still spinning the sign too. So yeah, right. just, uh, which I didn't get that. You know, the whole spinning the sign and even the messages on the sign didn't say like anything. She worked for the company yeah. called Signs. <laughs> like yeah. she's spinning a sign for signs. For signs. Like I just I, and she was spinning a sign that said off when she was off work, and it was just like I don't, I don't, know. I don't really um, get. I'm with you. She was a, the, the, she was a well, perplexing character. I don't know, but maybe maybe the maybe that was on the nose too. I think maybe we're thinking too much about it. Like that the message is on the sign, like the messages that you're being given are off. Right. Cause, and that was funny too, because with, when she made the art of the horse and was saying that they're turning people into horses, what are they trying to tell us? And she was like, maybe literally that they're turning people into horses. Right, yeah. I like that, right. uh, that W Kamal Bell. Cameo. Yeah, cameo. Yeah, I did say yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like, She could have been, you know, with the Radio Raheem reference. I mean, her her actions throughout the film were, I mean, they were, they weren't neutral, but the, her they were, her presentation was very like you didn't know her side, you know. I don't think right. she understood. I don't yeah, think she understood like, the ways that she was similar to her opposition, and that's why I was saying like me even doing some soul searching about engaging with people in a certain mm-hmm. way like you find that people on either side of an argument like pretty much do the same things but talk shit about each other for having yeah. the same behaviors mm. she kept her left eye shit kind of secret you know and mm-hmm. then but then her other stuff was the opposite like I, I I'm with you like she was a very perplexing character yeah, she, yeah. I but but I, I, I like what you were saying Lizzy like in terms of um you know the messaging being very direct, mm-hmm. and she she it seemed like she was the one delivering the most messaging. You know, with the mm-hmm. earrings, with mm-hmm. you know her actions, with you know some of her dialogue. Like it just seemed like she was always delivering some sort of a message, uh, be it good or bad, maybe, mm-hmm. or, or be it left or right. I should say, not good or bad, um, be it left or right, and. Um, not in any specific order. <laughs> well, well, back to what I was saying about her doing some of the same things. Like he he put on his white voice, which mm-hmm. I love that they like when he said like, "No, you're speaking properly. That's not a white voice." Because that's what yeah. I have to explain to people. Right. Like to people, I don't talk white, and I'm like, "Yes, you do." So, <laughs> um, but anyway, like she she he put on a white voice to make him palatable to the people he really wanted to reach. Mm. And she did the same thing. She made herself more palatable to the audience that she really wanted to sell herself to. Right. So, I mean, 
And we all do that in certain ways. Yeah. We all change who we are a little bit. We code switch. Yeah, we code yeah. switch yeah. to to make ourselves palatable for whoever we want to receive us a certain way. To some degree, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all I got, man. I don't. Did anybody else have any, anything specific um, they want to talk about? One thing I noticed to me, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but uh, Jermaine Fowler, he like wasn't funny at all to me. The best yeah. friend. Yeah. 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 That, so I commented yeah. one of the times that I talked. I commented to to Jesse about shut the fuck up. Um, about how the scene where they were going back and forth, like um, complimenting each complimenting other. each other, but in an angry voice. I was like, this looks a lot like an exercise in a in an acting class mm. where they tell you to like. I don't know. Like Jackie Christie did it the the other week on Basketball Wives, like at an improv class. They told her to count to five and to like progressively get more angry mm. as she's counting to five. Like, mm. so you're saying these nice things, but like in a threatening in way. A threatening and I was like, way. this is this is some shit we did in theater yeah, in right. the seventh grade. And he just wanted to put it in the movie because he thought it was cool. Oh, so you don't feel like it was saying something. Like I don't it's know. like it's not about. I what was you too say. distracted about how it was so much like a theater well, exercise to yeah. to process whether or not it was saying something. Well, Did you pick something up from it? Well, just processing using your terminology here. Um, maybe you would say something to it does it it doesn't really sometimes about it coded language. Well, no, sometimes it doesn't matter what you're saying. It's more about the tone of how you're saying mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? Maybe it's more uh, yes, and then coded language like you're not saying the thing. That you mean to say, but the meaning is still there, and people still feel it, even mm. when you're not using the bad yeah. words. Like, mm-hmm. like, 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 like the how N pe- word, like. Nigga. Well, no, people won't. People won't say nigga. They'll say ghetto, yeah. or they'll say or your big thing. <laughs> they, they'll say female, and you're like, no, no woman. You, what you want to say? What you want to say is bitch. bitch. Right. <laughs> so so yeah. fucking females, like, okay, yeah. but um, but yeah, so the yes, coded language, people, and it's funny. Very smart brothers, like um. Just did two pieces. It was like 20 ways white people say white people without saying white people. And mm. it was 20 ways white people say black people without saying, without saying black, black people. people. And it, it was things like ghetto or urban. urban. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Hip hop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Inner city. Yeah, inner city. Yeah, right, right, right. Um. So, yeah, that that's kind of what I took from that scene was, you know, well, my interpretation was... It doesn't matter kind of what you're saying. It, it, the tone of what you're saying is more indicative of, of what, what you're you trying mean. to say. Yeah, your yeah. intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your intent. Um, yeah. Uh, any, did any other scenes stick out to anybody? I mean, there was so much. It's just so dense. Like it's just we'd have one. To do it's a, just one scene after another. Yeah. You know, like and then and I just after a while, I was like, okay, I I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I still like the film. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's just it was just a lot of different scenes to interpret for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, the scene where they gave him the promotion, um, it was like dangling the carrot, and I don't necessarily know that they were removing him from the situation to benefit him, mm-hmm. or because they realized that he was very powerful and smart. Was it to protect their asset? Was it to kind of derail the movement? Like, what was their purpose in in taking him out of the group? To separate him, the manager with side note, the manager with the tattoos stood out to me for some reason too. Probably because he had tattoos like on his eyes. He looked like he had been in jail. His neck and shit. No, he just stood out to me for some strange reason. He, I definitely know guys that are like him. You know, like car salesmen or you know, I definitely know guys that that 
mm-hmm. kind of fit that same profile. Um, you know, just like high strung, you know, commission is my paycheck. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's very like, boiler room esque. Yeah. Like yeah. um, I think too, like in those in that situation, they were in management and they felt powerful over the people they were powerful over, but in real life they were just very low on the totem pole yeah. still. Yeah, that's very true. And 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 I also felt like, you know, I, maybe what stuck out to you is what stuck out to me, which is like this guy looks like an ex convict, right? Mm-hmm. Like but, but he's, he's white. white. And he's a manager. <laughs> and he has a manager. I didn't want to say it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, that that shoe would never be on the other foot in the same way. You, yeah. Cassius had to tie the, the suit and the, you know. And he was uh, dirty and covered in tattoos and he was I mean, he was in charge. Yeah, and he was in charge. So, you know. The I rules know. are not the same. They're not. It's not. Yeah, it's not equal. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's why it stuck out to you. Yeah. I thought the elevator scene was kind of funny, just like a commentary on middle management. How the assistant manager, as soon as he got the promotion, she was acting like mad thirsty, mm-hmm. and then she got yeah. she got like a little peek of like the like top floor, <laughs> and you could see it in her in her eyes like how much she wanted to be there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I know, there's a lot of race in this film, but there's a lot of just general corporate America yeah. type bullshit yeah. in this film too. That, I'd say that the yeah. capitalism message was was, yeah. was, was way stronger, but I think mm. that race plays into what people accept in capitalism. Yeah, so it, it has to be there. Yeah, it's like a subline to it for sure. What y'all think of uh, like Amari Hardwick when he when he finally like spoke for real? Like what did that scene kind of like mean to y'all? He code switched. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, he was but, like, "I'm gonna talk to you in a way that makes you most comfortable," which is what we, which is what he does like to everybody else as a telemarketer. Is he talks to people to make them comfortable? It's uh-huh. like a reverse. I'm gonna communicate in a way that is most natural to us that and, you can connect with most. We do that too, but, but, but like black people, we do that. Like yeah, there's a and I'm and I'm I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm guilty of it because I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, I I. As someone who writes and corrects other people's grammar for a living, mm. um, I will tell someone very quickly, there is no such thing as speaking properly. There's a standard way of speaking that's controlled by the majority, and the concept of speaking properly is meant to marginalize certain groups. Either you're communicating effectively or you're not. Mm. And so, you know, what used to be called Ebonics, is like African-American vernacular English, is a dialect that transcends like regionally there's a way that we speak to each other Mm. and when i see i'd say like a certain kind of black person it is disarming to them for me to interact with them in a certain way it makes them comfortable Mm -hmm. and so i do it to make them comfortable so that i can communicate effectively with them and it's and i do it to people who are not black Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to make them comfortable, though, because I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> but I do it. I do it to still communicate effectively, if that makes any sense. Because sense. there's a way that I, there's a way that I can speak that is like completely shoot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'll give you an example. I mean, you gotta do what your kids. You do, yeah. But yeah. I don't really code switch with my daughter. It's just in terms of the dialect that I use to speak or yeah. like words that I might choose to use that I might well, not when, use. When you're a... being mommy and then when you're being like... But that doesn't... Uh, that's not like the actual dialect of, okay. of English his, that I'm using. His wordage gotcha. wasn't stereotypically black, though. 
it was just his real voice. Too. His real voice. But even when he was speaking in his real voice, his syntax mm. and his word choice was different than when he used his white voice. It was voice. different, mm. but it wasn't. I, he was, I, I he hear what was, you're saying. I mean, I what I'm, I'm did, saying. Did you hear it, what Danny Glover said? He's like, no, yeah. you're just you're just speaking proper. You still sound black, and so like that. Yeah. That's like I hear other black people say that, and they're like, they say I talk like a white person, and I'm like, okay, and they're like, I just speak properly. I'm like, no, no, those are two different things. Because mm-hmm. okay, I'll give you an example. Shout out to my coworker. She said something about her dog being derpy, and I was like, that's a white people word. I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah, that went over my head. I was like, what the fuck is derpy? And then I heard like some derpy, other derpy, like D I R D E R P Y derpy. Like my dog's really, know. Der- but don't you don't know. count. I don't fucking count. And I'm pretty, and I'm pretty white. And I don't even know what that means. You're not. Um, you're kind of white. <laughs> that's funny. Um, no, I say on the continuum of like. White, not very white, uh-huh. kind of white, white, yeah. very white. You're Cora. just white. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, neutral um, white. <laughs> neutral. Very, very middle of the spectrum. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe like kind of white. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, and then I heard like, um, he's a data guy and like most of his friends were white and they would talk sometimes. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck you're saying. Like they were, they described another guy as bro I was like, what the fuck is that? Like that's a white, Bro-y. I was like, that's a white people word. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Right. So there, there are times when people talk like that and I'm like, I don't know. But there are ways that we can talk to each other. Like, and I, I pointed this out to my coworker. I was like, you know what head of lick means? And he was like, no. Right. But I can say that to any black person all across the damn country and they know what that they means. What <laughs> so right, it's just right. kind of like, we do talk differently. Yeah. And when I when I when I talk differently to them, I use language that I know that they can understand. Mm. Whereas when I talk differently to other black people, it's to relate to them mm. to make them comfortable. Interesting. So so basically the last time we hear Omari Hardwick's character, Mr. Blank, that's what you feel like he was doing, which mm-hmm. is trying to like he's like to even the he oh, it was just kind of like this is the way I am with you because this is the way we have to be in this setting. Right. But like I'm coming here in our, in my truest self to let you know like what the gravity of this situation is. Right. But see that's where well, I thought his truest self was the white like I thought his truest self had transitioned to the white voice. And so you felt basically... like it was like a reverse code switch? Yeah, that's what I but thought see, it was. I, that, I'm I'm a little on the fence about it because based on what he said and what he was trying to get him to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where it makes me go, you know, I think in corporate America, we've all had situations where someone's had to come and talk to us and be like, yo, Jermaine, come here. Right. And it's not because you're black. It's not, it has nothing. It's just at some point, if your supervisor or peer is, is we're not cho- talking about, see, I this know. is, this is, I, like, I haven't finished my statement. Go ahead. I'm you sorry. You do this all the fucking time. <laughs> you love um, it. No, you I love don't. it. Yes, uh, no, you do. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Once someone chooses to take you through the ropes and say, listen, we're going to like, I'm going to actually let you know how this shit really is. That's when you code switch. So I, I definitely don't disagree with your, your revelation of it, but I definitely agree with like, it can be as simple as just code switching mm-hmm. that like in this moment, I need to let you know that you need to go into this room. No, this, I'm not, I'm not saying is, that it's not code yeah, switching. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying that's what it is, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I've never been in that. Well, yes, I have. I'm, I just don't think it would, I, I agree with you that it can be very racially driven, but I also agree that it could not be. I'll it give could an be example of what I code mean. switching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in this scene in 40 year old version where like Kevin Hart is talking to Romney Malco mm-hmm. and he's like trying to keep his work persona on and he was like, yeah. oh, nigga here now. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm black for real. 
Mm. It's that. <laughs> like, like mm. let me let me show you what this real who I really am, what this really is, and the seriousness of this moment. Like, mm. you want a nigga nigga here now? Okay. I don't know. Just my experience. I'm interested in what you were just saying, Martin. Like, you feel like that that was the that was the act. Yeah, I, I think eventually because they had the whole conversation um, in bed or whatever in his apartment how. He was he was finding it harder to switch back to his normal self. He didn't even realize. And, and I think with Amari Hardwick being the goal, I think he was like completely like the white voice. Basically, he just knew how to transition back into his black voice if he had to speak to somebody. But I think his truest self had kind of switched between like being that character. I think that whole speech he had with Lakeith was like the act to me. Mm. He, his his left eye was missing. I thought it was his right. Oh. Oh. And I don't. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Like, what is it? What is the? Is it? Does it? What is the saying about plucking out your eye? Is it your left eye that offends thee? Oh, I'm never. Oh yeah, uh, it's in the Bible, right? Yeah, it's a biblical it, reference. I don't know oh. that. You should have. They said it in The Handmaid's Tale. That's why Janine oh, has yeah. one eye. Oh <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. No, or is no. it the right eye, left eye? Anyway, one of your eyes. It, yeah, if it, it offends, they pluck it out. It definitely had a meaning. Was left out was a thing. Anything else, guys? No. Good movie. I think people should see it. I think you should check it out. Yeah. That is that your sales pitch? I think you should see it. I think you should check it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I didn't, I'd tell you it I sucked. Mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I would. Who? It would have to be someone who really likes film or like. Or well, yeah, like a, I mean, like I social chat, messages. Like yeah, they know yeah. I mean, I films, would like, give a caveat could, before. Yeah, you gotta. You can't just be like, go watch this. Because I definitely told my like my like fifteen year old niece and my cousin to go watch it. I know they watch this oh, shit. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is <laughs> <laughs> going on? <laughs> you know, I don't. Puberty for them. I don't. Well, <laughs> I didn't use a whole lot of horse. Cock, yeah. to use a white word. But cock's a white word. Is that a white word? Yes. But you know what it means, so it's not a white word. That doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that it's you know not in it my lexicon. But you said that white words. You don't know what they mean. Yeah. I didn't say I don't know what all white words mean. I was just saying those cock, are ones. Cock are, is universal. It is not <laughs> in 2018. Black people do not say cock. I mean, a, lot of, a lot of people don't say cock. I don't say the word cock. All the time. Like, I don't just whip that word out. Like, whatever. You, know? you don't just whip that word out. Huh? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you fucking knocked me off track. Thank you. I mm, probably owe you one. Tessa, Tessa teasing in the cheeks. Too, we talked about that earlier. Tessa te- is what? Teasing the cheeks. Teasing the cheeks. Because I like Tessa. Yeah, I'm sorry. Do, we know you do. We've been really socially... You know, being very responsible with our message tonight, but um, I really like Tessa Thompson. Oh, and, what I was gonna she's say, she's been teasing the cheeks. So, I, what I was gonna say is, um, it's very, it's not the movie's not as palatable as Get Out. Yeah, I agree. So, if you like social messages and you have fun with like art films, because mm-hmm. that's what it is, like a satirical art film, you might enjoy it. Or you might, at the very least, find it very interesting to unpack. But if you don't, if you're not into social messages and you don't like art films, like you probably are going to be like the fuck. And, and I may be speaking out of turn here because I don't smoke, but I don't know if I'd recommend anybody smoking and going into this one. It well, that was funny when he saw the horses after he had done that immense line. Like, um, it was funny because the Shanti was like, "He's tripping, he's tripping." <laughs> I thought he was tripping for a second too. Yeah, I thought he was tripping too. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would recommend anybody smoking and watching this. It might fuck your high up completely. But I, I, I did think it was a, I, I, it was enjoyable for me because, you know, it's an experience that I don't think you get to, you get very often. So I think it was a unique experience. Um, I'm with Corey. You probably could have put some ether to that fucking that message. You could have cut that a little bit, you know, and saved it for a, you know, saved it for a part two, another film to speak to another message. Uh, it it could have been a little lighter. I just get it tighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah or tighter. Tighten it up. Um, yeah. Pause. But it, it, that's not a pause. Tighten it up. I don't know. Just in case. Tighten it up. Just in case. Just in case. I, mean, I could be talking about a. A wrench. You could tighten, be tighten things up you, with a you wrench. You could be, but you also could be talking about some other shit. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, uh, that you know, yeah, that's my take on it, man. I, I mean, I don't think I wasn't let down. Um, I think I was just I was thrown for a bigger loop than what I expected to already be thrown for. It was a it was a way bigger experience than I expected, um, and that's to say a lot because it looked like an experience. Um, what what do you say, Jesse? Mm-hmm. I say you don't got to rush out to see it, but when it hits Netflix, you can check it out. You can check it out. That's that's the weird thing, because it seems like a movie that will hit Netflix, kind of like, um, what was that? Right. Right. Well, no, I, I was nah, in the movie, the, the uh, shitty movie with the pig. <laughs> yeah, yo. the pig. Oh, yeah. 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 Ocha. Ocha. Yeah, it feels yeah. like Ocha. Yeah, some of that. <laughs> that piece of shit. That's bro. funny that somebody said Bright because towards the end, you know, when the horses started coming out, I was like, this might feel like a prequel to Bright. That's the prequel to Bright. Yeah, where they were. Yeah, where they were and just how, you know, species were sorting to like evolve. And yeah. I was like, man, this is like a prequel to Bright. But um, is that where we're going to leave it, guys? Sorry to bother you. Sure. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, thanks for sticking with us for this Sorry to Bother You episode. Um, you know, we'd love to hear what you thought about it if you care to explain. Um, you know, find one of our sorry to bother you posts and just I don't know, man. Just fucking tell us how you feel about it. Um, thank you guys for oh, the. Pe- oh, what are you gonna do? Like what you're looking forward to? I guess for movies. Yeah. Do you have something you're looking forward to? You want to talk about? No, nah, I was just gonna say shout out to uh, I guess I saw the first Purge. Oh, how was yeah. that? Uh, it was alright. You know, it's directed by Gerard McMurray, yeah, right? Yeah, the guy who did Burning Sands. Sands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a good movie at all. But, <laughs> but Yolan Noel, the guy who's like Ace's, he's like Ace's uh, side dude, like on Insecure or whatever. He actually does a pretty good job. I heard he was good in that one, but yeah. I heard it from Issa, so I was like, Mah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's decent. Like I think Gerard McMurray has like. I don't know if he'll be like a really great director, but I think he could he could send to like maybe a singleton, not singleton. Um, guy who did a uh, Training Day. Oh, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, he could probably ascend to that level. I think at some point. <laughs> he has well. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of saying something. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. Same. Well, no, I'm just saying like I, I, Fuqua. Yeah. I, I think he's. I think he can be diverse. Um, I think he he Antoine likes Fuqua a specific. Training did no, he didn't do set it off. That was F. Gary Gray. Oh, uh, you're right. He did he Equalizer one and two, um, Tears from the Sun. Uh, what's the movie? He did one? Waist Deep. Is no, uh, I don't know who did Waist Deep. No, no, no that... um, Waist Deep. I think was the guy who. Um, Is that Vondi Curtis? I think it might have been oh, Vondi okay. Curtis I get Hall. Confused. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. No, I mean, Mick Murray. Uh, he seems to have some good sensibility on filmmaking. I well, I guess one of the problems with. The first purge is very um, on the nose. Like if you thought this movie was on the nose, like there's a line like 
they refer to somebody a lot, and there's a lot in the movie that says, get off me, you pussy-grabbing motherfucker. Like, oh, like clearly you know who they're talking about. Like, oh, man. So it's, it's a lot of stuff like that where they they are very on the nose and in your face with it, and it doesn't really work because it's like, all right, clearly I know I know this joke or I know what you're doing. I saw a post online. Like, I wish they would, it referenced, I wish they would do a movie about the day after The Purge. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that awkward moment when someone says, like, so where's... That would be a really where's great Jesse? drama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I killed Jesse yesterday. He yeah. didn't make it. Oh, that's funny. And then you just got to deal with that. Yeah. That'd be a good, like, you know, like, just if somebody wants to do an independent short, like mm-hmm. a little five-minute YouTube movie, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? That would probably be good. And the jo- the thing online was like, where's Kevin from sales? <laughs> I murdered him. <laughs> I murdered him. <laughs> and it's weird because they have, like, a whole bunch of references to, like, Park Hill. So if you're, like, a Wu-Tang fan, you might appreciate that. Is that the new oh. thing They now? do it way too much. Is that the new much. thing now? There's, like, everything does references to Wu-Tang in the past, like, two years. It's Are been you a f- mad? I'm not mad, but... <laughs> just saying. I think it's interesting that there's well, several... Com- we're getting old. And it's, and it's coming back around. Yeah, it's the people who were young back then are like now directors and yes. producers. So and if stuff. we all become directors, we're going to do put, put we Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. Yeah, no, not, I'm definitely not, not, not doing Definitely not doing but, a Soldier you know, Boy. There might be some Martin Scorsese references or something. It's fine. Yeah. You know. That's acceptable. But uh, anyway, man, thank you guys. Uh, the, the, the people who have been reaching out and putting themselves on our uh, future mailing list, I really appreciate it. Um, Please, guys, if if you want to be considered for some of these drawings and some of these things that I personally plan on uh, implementing here soon, um, just reach out to us, DM or email uh, at kind of movie critics or at kind of movie critics at gmail dot com. Um, you know, just kind of reach out and say that you are interested in being part of our mailing list. So uh, within the next month, man, I think I'm going to start implementing that and start giving away some stuff to some of our uh, our very loyal listeners, which. I'm learning we do have a loyal fan base. It's not the biggest fan base, but it is a very tight, loyal, knit community. So we appreciate you guys for sticking by the brand. Uh, on, follow us on Twitter at Kind of Movie Crits, Facebook and Instagram at Kind of Movie Critics. Um, and share an episode, man. Put you know, put three of your homies on so that way this this base can continue to grow. Um, all right, so that's it. We're signing off. And remember, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not. We're just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.